Hello and welcome to episode three of the League One Lowdown, a weekly podcast discussing the big news and hot topics coming from England's third tier. My name is Joseph Trody, and as ever, I'm joined by Bristol Rovers fan Matt Isles. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, and I'm, I'm joined also by a man who I'm, I'm a bit afraid to talk to after what happened at the Catam Stadium or something. It's, uh, it's Wickham Wanderers fan Alex Broom. Uh, is it even worth asking how you are today, Broom? Um, well, I'm still a bit, <laughs> bit, um, not sure I can swear on him, a bit sad after the result. I think that's better than the phrase I'd usually use. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Let's just jump straight into it. Um, for those who don't know, obviously, uh, my team, Oxford, beat Broom's team, Wickham 2-1 on Saturday. We did a uh, preview last week on the podcast. Um, El Abd, of course, scored first Wickham, but um, a Jerome Sinclair equaliser and a 94th-minute goal from Josh Ruffles. Um meant Oxford went home with three points. I suppose the obvious question, Brum, is uh, what are your thoughts on the game, mate? Well, I actually thought we played all right, to be fair. I thought um, Ainsworth got it spot on. When I saw the lineup was released, I questioned um, the front three. But I probably wouldn't have gone with and Fenwell or Nick Freeman in that game, but um, cool. both players, I thought, played quite well. I've, um, Freeman was a constant pest throughout um, Oxford's back line. Akinfenwa hit the bar of the header and just your typical Akinfenwa performance, held the ball up well, brought others into the game quite well. But um, the result, of course, doesn't really suggest that we were that we um, attacked quite well. It was obviously only scoring one and then losing in the manner we did was disappointing. Um, and the way, I think the first half I thought was Wickham's. The first half of the second half was even, but the second half of the second half, it, it just looked that Oxford wanted it more. They kept like pressing us going for the win. I saw um, Ainsworth say to McLaren, we had the ball in his hands a couple of times, just slowed down. But McLaren was looking to quickly, um, when he had the ball, throw it out and go for a quick outlet, but Ainsworth wanted to slow the game down. I didn't really understand why I was doing that, because we're here... I mean, Oxford's uh, this season the winnable game in League One for most teams. I think yeah. if it's you, if you're level with 20 minutes left, why don't you go for it? I mean, you can risk losing one point to win two. We just didn't do that. We didn't go for it. We tried to sit back and set off what we had, and it just was a risk. It didn't pay off in the end, and it's such a shame. I thought the first um, 70 minutes of the game we deserved more than well, we, we did definitely deserve something. I thought you could possibly say we were the better side up until then, but then the last 20 minutes, Oxford just put the pressure on and they probably well they definitely got their rewards for it and I don't think um it was uh, um, completely it, I don't think the result was completely unfair reflection of the game but it just it could have been so different if we'd have just gone for a bit more rather than just sitting back I mean you pointed out a couple of sort of positives for Wickham I thought Alex Samuel also played very well up front um but I thought it was a bad day at the office for uh, for Macalambe I thought uh, his distribution was pretty poor didn't we didn't really ever look confident and didn't really sort of inspire confidence once the defence um he was sort of brought in a couple of games ago. In hindsight, do you think that's sort of a, a bad decision? Was time to sort of get, get Allsop back in there? I think it was um, a terrible decision to bring him in. I mean, I, I think Allsop, he's, he's made a couple of mistakes recently, but I think most, I think everyone knows he is a better goalkeeper than Macalambe. Whilst he has made mistakes, mm. and in some teams would have a second-choice goalkeeper at the level you can bring in to challenge the first-choice keeper. Macalambe just isn't at the level required to challenge Allsop realistically. So I was absolutely amazed when Ainsworth dropped him. That's not usually the sort of thing Ainsworth does drop the keepers after a few mistakes. We've had... um. A couple of mistakes in seasons before, and Ainsworth just stuck with the keeper no matter what. So I was pretty, pretty surprised when um, I did find out McAlembe started the game against Shrewsbury two weeks ago, and I was even more surprised that he kept his place for the Oxford game. As the goal um, against Shrewsbury was conceded right at the end, 
He could have eaten, well, they have, sorry, they're equalising. He probably should have come for that cross, and he just yeah. didn't, and then they scored for this. So, far, okay, well, now surely Ainsworth is going to go back to the better goalkeeper, but he didn't. And then it's just, it's, I just can't see how a centre-back can be um, confident when you've got him behind you. I mean, I, I really, really don't like slagging off um, Wiccan players. So I like to try and support them all for the best I can, but it's just got to the stage of the season now where mistakes are so costly. And it, while you could say Mohamed didn't really make like a clear, like, error for either goal um can't feel Al Abdul Stewart with confidence they've got to play they know that if they don't head the cross away Macalame is probably not going to come for it either even though he's like six foot six and then it just causes problems for um the defense when you can't trust your goalkeeper to command the six yard box and really come for balls that he should be dealing with just so demoralizing losing the way we did two weeks and as well two games in a row I mean, obviously, we've got to talk about the penalty miss in the first half. Of course, we can have a penalty. Joe Jacobson, you know, I said to my to my old man next to me, oh, Jacobson, he always he always scores penalties. He'll put this one away. And he put it wide. I mean, do you think that was the, the turning point in the game? I'm not sure you could say it as a turning point as such. It's a massive, massive moment in the game. And a lot of people say that. I'm not really... Well, I don't... I try not to exaggerate when I can, but that is the worst life penalty I have ever seen. I mean, not I can't think of I can't think of one that springs to mind that is worse than that. I mean, I, there probably might be one that that, I, that could rival it, but off the top of my head, I can't think of one. I mean, it, yeah, actually, yeah, that, that's that was a fool. Yeah, that's one. That's got to be up there. But um, it was weak. It was obviously off target, which is the first thing you say is hit the target, but. Even, yeah. even if it was on target, it was so slow. and it, They were just bobbling along the gun. I'm pretty sure Eastwood well, definitely would have got there. If, yeah, um, yeah. If it, even if it would have, like, if you if it was hindsight, would have clicked the post and gone in, Eastwood, Eastwood would have just saved it easily. It was a terrible penalty. And it's such a shame because we were playing, I suppose, in a sense, you could set a 10 balls. We were playing so well up until that moment. That must have been not long before half time, was it, Joe? Do you know what minute it was? Uh, I think it was about sort of. 35, 40 minutes. Well, oh, I thought it might have been. Oh, yeah, I thought it was about 40 minutes. It was just probably yeah, just yeah, after yeah. your equalise, wasn't it? And yeah. I thought that's well, a good well. chance to. But we, we definitely deserved to be in front after the first half, I thought. We set out exactly how I thought we were, taking the game to Oxford, really um pushing them back in the pitch. It was, it was what I asked for, the typical A's of away from home performance, which is what, another reason why I'm so surprised we sat back for the last second. That's not that's not how we used to doing it under A's of away from home. But that's why. Under him, our away record genuinely been quite good. And it, it, the, the penalty miss, it, I saw um, no one really come over to like um, tell Jason to get his head up and get back on the path from Ake Fenway. It just seemed to yeah, just like, push that. him back into position. It didn't even like say unlucky if it just seemed to just get back in position, but it's, it's gone. Yeah. So I don't know if um, how that affected um, the like um, the mood in, of the team. But I would have thought Azov at half time would have got the players back fired up. And then for the first 10 minutes after we did, it was a pretty even game. And then Oxford just come out and showed. But they've, they've got the, they've got quality players, Oxford. You can't die. I thought Marcus Brown was was good when he was running at um, Jacobson in the first half. And then Jordan Graham yeah. came on. He, I thought he showed why he's played at a higher level than League One. He's, he's good with the ball at his feet. And um, what's it, Cashy midfield? I think he's an excellent. Yeah, is that his name? I think he's an excellent yeah. player. He's really, that's a that's a great find for us. That's the sort of signing which um, Ainsworth like. But I hadn't, I hadn't heard of him before he signed for us. Who did, who did you get him from, Joe? We got him from uh, uh, Troyes in uh, France, but uh, Robert's Adam Charlton last season. Oh right, oh I didn't know that. I thought he might have come from non-league or something, but he looks a really, really good player. He seems a great find for you, and he sort of um, controlled the game. And I think he was massive. But an Oxford were going for it in the second half and. It's, it's, it hurts, but it's, it's just football, isn't it? I mean, we, we've got a bounce, but we can't dwell on it. And we're playing Portsmouth now on Saturday after their massive high on Sunday. 
that can go one yeah. or two ways. It could feel maybe I'm not sure complacency is an issue. So I was um I gave um Bryn Morris, the Portsmouth fielder, a text yesterday. Was, um, I need to speak to him regarding someone I got from from coursework, and he seemed pretty um happy that um obviously but he, he couldn't play in the Fantasy Cups tied, but he said it's gonna be a big confidence boost for the rest of the season. Yeah. And he's looking forward to the game on Saturday against Wickham. He's um hoping that with a bit of luck that Portsmouth can get back in the top two. So they're obviously moves really high in their camp and moves probably as low as it can be in ours. It does suggest for Portsmouth win, but Ainsworth's got this thing. Um, I think I saw someone say it before. Whenever we really, really need a result, we get one. And yeah. I mean, we've really, really needed a result for about six weeks now, but I think it's <laughs> it's going to have... It's, it's, it, I said it the last three podcasts, so it's going to have to be on Saturday. We can't, we can't lose again. I do think this time, if we do lose, we will end up being in the relegation zone come five, five o'clock on Saturday. And that's just... That in itself just fills me with so much worry, even though three of our next games are against what you could say on paper easier opponents. But you you just got, if you're in the relegation at this stage of the season, you can't not be fearing the worst, even though I'm yeah. fearing the worst. I mean, I thought a draw probably would have been a fair result on Saturday. I mean, Oxford, I mean, we were okay. I think we battled well. But um, I think, it, you know, many games this season, Erdogan Adams Park, I think it's example where we've sort of dominated the game and not got our just rewards really. Um, Matt, I'm going to come to you. Um, from the outside looking in, how big a win do you think that is for Oxford and how damaging a defeat is that for Wickham with them sort of, their form is, is pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, how, how bad is that for Wickham now? Well, I mean, if you look on a Wickham point of view, um, it's, 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 you know, they can't lose to a rival, obviously, you know, geographically, but in terms of the relegation scrap, I think it's mm. a huge, huge downer for them. Um, you know, look, I think with Wickham, it sort of got to the case now. I think the bubble sort of burst in League One. They were on such a high. Um, a lot of teams, sort of November, December, was when they were picking up some real good results. You know, they drew with Pompey. They drew with Sunderland at the stadium. And like They beat Barnsley as well. And it just seems that it's sort of fallen away a little bit for them. Um, but in terms of Oxford, I think that win virtually secures their safety. They're seven points now. Um, I think in 12th, I think you scraped into the top half of the table, which is, yeah. you know, a month ago, if you said that about Oxford, you know, that would have been absolutely ludicrous. But, you know, they're on a great run of form. I think Robinson's really turned a corner um, and fair play to him. You know, I, I did have my, my doubts about him, to be fair, but he's certainly shown why, um, he's certainly shown to Oxford supporters what, you know, what you can do to turn the team around. But, you know, it's it's two sides of the coin, isn't it? One side, it's a massive win, which gets them away from the drop zone, whilst the other one, it drags them right into it. And I think, judging by that result, if Wickham fans didn't believe that they're not in a relegation scrap from Saturday, I think they need to start believing it now that they are in a real serious battle to survive. Uh, just before we move on, uh, Broome, obviously you're a betting man. Um, if you have to put everything you had on uh, on Wickham either staying up or going down right now, where would you put your, where would you put your money? Oh, uh, Okay. Um, I'd I'd have to do before I actually that's it. I have to um look at the fixtures of the other teams in and around us. But I only know who we've got, and I am generally I try to say I'm a positive fan, so I'd try and stay positive and say we'll stay up. But I think it's going to be really really scrappy. I do think it's going to go down to the final day, and it, the the key game for us is um the key three games are clearly going to be um South End. Watchdale and Wimbledon coming to play three of the bottom four and then also I think at the minute well Oxford now probably and maybe Gillingham I think the only other team really you could say haven't got anything to play for would have been Fleetwood but 
then again, I think they might be pushing quite close to the playoffs. So if they need, yeah. if we got them in the final day, if they need a win to get in the playoffs, I wouldn't bank on us beating a team who need to win for their own destiny. So it's gonna, be, it's a, it's a tough one. But I probably would say if I could, if I had, if I had a gun to bed, I'd bet everything I own. I'd say we'd stay up, but. This is on rec- rec- record now, isn't it? Is it, so is it? is it on the final day you stay up? Yeah, or, well, or I think it's going to be. It's, the, the out, we're not going to be safe until the final day. I think this, it's the rele- I think it's pretty clear the relegation battle is going to go right down to the last minute. There's so many teams involved. Yeah. So there's so many teams in poor form as well. And it is, it is, it's going to be. It's going to be very tight. But I think we will probably just about do it. Yeah. Well, there you go. I've never known um, Brim to lose a bet before, so it looks as if we're staying up. Um, Obviously, one of the teams in and around Wickham is, uh, is, is Southend. Uh, last week, on, just before we started recording the podcast, it was announced that Chris Powell had left his job at Southend. Um, and just before we started recording this, we found out who's going to be replacing him. It's going to be um, Harry Redknapp's former long-time assistant, uh, Kevin Bond, um, on a deal till the end of the season. Uh, Matt, I mean, that's mm. a bit of a left-field choice, isn't it? I mean, are you surprised by that? Certainly out of the blue, isn't it? Um, I am quite surprised, actually. I think he's only had sort of looking at his record over the internet and Wikipedia, I think he's only had one job before and I think it was at Bournemouth, obviously he's worked alongside Harry Redknapp at Tottenham, at uh, Southampton he worked at, with him and QPR so he's obviously, you know, got good experience as a number two and as a coach it's just, you know, we see a lot of managers don't know that they're a good coach but when they transform into the main job they can't do it um, it's a big, big gamble from Southend that they've got somebody in who doesn't necessarily know the level and is you know is almost thrown into the line of fire to get results. I mean, you know they've got a, a, a real tough you know a few run of games as well. Sort of you know looking at it as well. So it's 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 very left field as you said. I completely agree. And it's it's a massive massive risk. I mean whoever took the job on, it is a risk for them anyway. Given that you know they're uh, where they are and in the you know real mess of a poor run of form, but. Certainly very surprising given some of the names that were linked with it. And I think you can see from the South End fans that, you know, they've, uh, the majority of them have uh, uh, reacted quite negatively to the appointment. Some of them have even gone, you know, you might as well relegate us now. So he's got, yeah. a, lot, he's got a lot to prove um, in terms of trying to obviously get results on the pitch and obviously trying to win the fans over in just a short space of time. I mean, it's one that I think coming into the season is going to either look like a stroke of genius or an absolute sort of disaster. Absolutely. What are you thinking, Brum? Um... I mean, I I don't I'm not a football club owner, but if I was, it'd be completely the opposite direction. I'd have gone with the appointment. I'd have rather get someone who you know's got experience of mm. um, been in a relegation battle at a similar level before. You know they can keep the team up. Even someone like Graham Wesley, but that's the sort of person you can. So I know possible is a bit. It's sort of person you can guarantee to like you, you usually you can guarantee results under. And I, I wouldn't have gone for someone who's not really had the experience this level before, not at this stage of the season, but you, because you are looking short-term. You've got six games to save yourself, really, six or seven games. And he's, as Matt said, he's, he might be a good coach, but when it comes to actually managing a club, making the key tactical decisions, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think how anyone can be sure. You haven't got anything to go off how he's done it before. So, so it is a huge risk on Southend. And if it pays off, they'll probably be sat there looking quite smug but if it doesn't I'm, but, but they must be thinking well, what, what, what were we thinking what were we doing giving it to yeah. him at this such key stage in the season it's just it's just it's a bit it's a bit silly if, if they go down I think you know, that, but they, they, if they can stay up I think they've only just dropped into the relegation over the weekend didn't they and their form similar to Wickham's been really really bad so they, they definitely can stay up and if, if they don't I think this is the decision that's probably cost them their League One status Absolutely. if they go down 
Mm, I mean, I, th- I think the only thing that I can think of is that obviously he's been with Harry Redknapp a lot. Redknapp has gone in a lot of times over his career at struggling clubs and sort of turned them around. So yeah, Bond, fair, although yeah. he's not the main man in, in, in them, has sort of been part of a lot of sort of turnarounds at clubs. It's sort of all I can all I can think of. Um, and maybe he's sort of living locally and they just chuck him in there. I, I don't know. It's a bit of a, it is a bit of a weird one. But whilst we're on the sort of topic of uh, managerial news at sort of the wrong end of the League One table. Um, Bradford, despite being roots to the bottom of the league, has given a new two-year contract to, to Gary Bowyer. Um, Brum, what are your thoughts on that? Because, of course, I mean, he's not exactly turned them around since he's gone in. It looks like they're heading down. But do you think that's a good idea to sort of keep him in there, considering the job he did at Blackpool, sort of rebuilding them? Do you think he can sort of do a similar job at Bradford? Yes, I do. I think that's that. Is, I think that is an excellent appointment. And if I again, if I was running a football club, he'd be the, exactly the sort of person I look yeah. for in this situation. He's shown he can work under difficult um, circumstances and tough resources. He's um, capable of picking the team up from a relegation, leading them straight back up as he showed at Blackpool. He's um, he's, he's a master at um, grinding out results as well, which is the sort yeah. of. Um, I mean, they're not. They probably will. They're not down it. They probably still got a fighting chance. In two winners in a row, and they're right back in yeah, contention absolutely. to stay up. So, yeah. I think it's for him, like. The players probably it's probably reassuring again for the players. I mean, they've got a massive squad there. They got they must have one of the biggest wage cuts in the league. The amount of players they've got there It's ridiculous. They just seem to just sign players willy nilly, not that they don't necessarily need just because they're like decent name to chuck in. They're like Butterfield, Caddis. I mean, I can't see them like needing it. They just chucked him in there as they're available, and um, they could. But it will be reassuring for the players who are down, um, signed on for next season, knowing who their manager will be that they're not. Um, have to worry about oh will the new manager like maybe will they want to ship me out they can if they if, whether in the league one or league two next season they can um have a proper plan and an idea of what their targets are and I think Bowie is a good manager to be able to either get them promoted from league two or definitely have a better season than they have had in league one next season. And I think the, the, the timing from Bowie's perspective might be considered a bit strange because I mean I think he probably could have got another league one job despite even if he could end up going down with Bradford. It's not yeah. relatively high. It's not exactly his fault. But uh, Matt, do you think? Um, do you agree with Brum that it's obviously uh, a good decision to give Bowie a new contract and obviously let him rebuild the club next season, whether that be in League One or League Two? I think it's perfect. I think the thing that really strikes it for me, it gives the fans clarity as well as the players. I think it's important to know whatever division they're in, more likely League Two, to be fair, than League One. But it just means that he can not have to worry about, you know, at the end of the season, speaking with the owners and going, have I got a job? He knows he's going to be there, whatever the uh, outcome is this season. And he can, like, lay down his plans quickly to the players he's got in there and the squad. Um, and it's it's massive. And, you know, I, I think with, with Bowie at Bradford, you know, he took, out, he took the Blackpool job on, obviously, when they got relegated into League Two. Uh, he worked under, as Broom quite rightly said, under real difficult circumstances. Um, you know, the, obviously the the problems with the Oysters, the fans boycott, and he managed to work real good miracles there and turn them into a, a solid League One outfit. So, you know, it, it's very similar to what he's got here at Bradford, obviously just with them all teetering on the edge. But it's a good opportunity to, um, you know, rebuild with Bradford, get rid of the high-earning players and actually have players that want to be at the club. And I, I, I do agree with Broom that I think it's a very, very good appointment, long-term anyway. And, it, and it gives it gives Definitely. the assurance and for himself and for the club and everyone connected to it. I mean, I've just seen um, come through now that Rochdale are going to uh, introduce uh, a new manager to the media uh, tomorrow morning. Um, Broom, have you got any ideas who, who that could be, do you think? Um, I'm, lo- I'm looking now, looking about now, and um, they, well, they had that 
Ryan Barry Barry Murphy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. going to have to be him, isn't it? But they're unbeaten under yeah, him, aren't they? So. Like, I'll be, I'll be amazed if they don't give it. But their forms picked up so. Yeah, it's like, so it's like eight much. points in twelve. I think. I got to say, I, I didn't think they were capable of it. I thought they're the team no, that's pretty much going to be down. And I thought uh, the key, I, I thought, again, Keith Hill's the sort of manager I would have thought. Well, if he can't get results for these players, no one can. But he yeah. really does seem to have um, turned the fortunes round. And I'd be surprised if it wasn't him. But I think if it's not him, they're shoot, they're just shooting themselves in the foot because he's done so well to turn it around since yeah. he's been in and there's another team thrown in the mix because Depp now who a couple of weeks ago I thought was she wins to go down yeah, I mean you know look, looking at fans comments I think they're going you know please let it be Brian uh, Barry Murphy he deserves it doesn't he you know he deserves a yeah. shot six games left why not give him the job you know they, they people a lot of people have written up Rochdale off personally I'm one of them um, that did write them off when they did just yep. sack Keith so Hill. So, and I think they've got, what, eight points from 12 or something? And they picked up good wins against Scunthorpe. They got a decent draw at Gillingham on Saturday. Perhaps they maybe should have won it. But, um, you know, it, it, he deserves it. You know, he's turned the corner. The players know him. That He knows the club. And I think when you've got someone close to the club in this situation, it can give the players a newfound motivation. So I think he deserves the job. Anybody else, I think... Okay, there might be a bit more experience, but in terms of he's he's almost earned the job. It's a bit like you know Graham Coughlin at Rovers. You know he tur- he came in, turned a corner, yeah. got the job in that in that circumstance. I do believe it will be Brian Barry Murphy, but it's one of those if he doesn't get it, I think it is quite harsh on him. Yeah, I think we've watched us. You know, a bit like Accrington, a bit like some of these smaller clubs with, with respect to them. It's just about somebody who can galvanise a good team spirit, can lift the mood of the club. I mean, they're not looking for a sort of master tactician. And they're just looking for somebody who can grind out some results and, and command the respect of the players. So it'll be interesting. I think you're, you're probably right. Probably will be the, the caretaker that got in Barry Murphy, um, who too takes them on, and and, uh, and good luck to him. Um, we've spoken a lot about uh, the the bottom of the, the bottom of the league. And last week we spoke about the automatic promotion race. I want to talk a, l- a little bit about the um, the battle for, for the playoffs. I mean, I think we're assuming that um, Charlton are going to be in the playoffs. Um, they still obviously you know, Portsmouth, Sunderland. Barnsley um, are going to be fighting for a match promotion, but two of them you think are going to go into the playoffs. But the sixth uh, spot is still very much up the grabs. Doncaster went back in there after they uh, thrashed Bristol Rovers in the week and secured uh, a good win over Walsall uh, on Saturday. Uh, so if, we, if we're assuming that the top five is already sort of decided in whatever order, who do you think is going to um, get sixth from? Um, I, I think it's definitely going to be Doncaster. I think they they are in the top six teams in the league for terms of quality. They've um, struggled a bit of injuries this season. At some points you've been thinking, well, they haven't found their consistency. But when it comes down to, I think the quality they got on it, like Marquise is a is a brilliant striker of the level. Herbie Kane's had a great season. That Wilkes on loan from Leeds, he's he's a tidy little player. They've definitely they've got they've got the quality definitely to be in the to to have cemented their top six a while ago. And, and I thought early on in the season they might be dark horses to finish in the top two. I was really impressed in what I saw them early on. But really? then wow. They lost um like I said they lost a bit of consistency. They've dropped off a bit, but. They they are their their squad's definitely um top six quality. On the I'm looking at the table now. The only team you probably could fancy to catch them are Peterborough, but I, I just I don't think that they inspire me too much at all. Their forms dropped off quite a bit since um they started the season really well, and I think it, you can't really count on them. You would you wouldn't rely on Peterborough to win more points to Doncaster between now and the end of the season. And I, I said on the podcast the other week, I thought Burton might be a long shot. If they win their game in hand, they're still seven points adrift. And that's just, with six games left, you need, you, you're need obviously looking to make up a point every week on um 
Doncos. I just can't see them doing that. I think maybe next season Burn could be a good shot for the top six, but I don't think they'll scrape over the line this season. I can't really see anyone else who shouts out to me that they could finish uh, in the top six. Matt, what do you think about, you know, there are three clubs in there that are still sort of, have sort of been in and around the same position for most of the season, mid, mid-table, top-half table. It's Blackpool, yeah. Coventry and Fleetwood. Mm. Um, do you think any of those could, could make a challenge to the top six next this season? I mean, uh, they've never really sort of been in there uh, Coventry have, have gone along nicely this season. Fleetwood mm. have, have been mid-table. Do you think any of them could, could uh, challenge the top six between now and the end of the season? Well, I think out of the three, I think the informed team, I think, is Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I, I can't really see past Doncaster, like, like Alex said. I think that they, mm. you know, when, when we played them last year, OK, we were very, very poor, but they did impress me. I think they're one of the better footballing teams. You know, they want to play out from defence. They want to get the ball forward. You know, the three that picked out, I mean, Herbie Kane, for me, he's arguably yeah. been one of the standout midfielders in the division, hence why he's in the team of the season. I think he thoroughly deserves that. Malik Wilkes, um, you know, he's a very, very good player. I think he'll be in the championship next season, whether, whether yeah. it's with Leeds or with another club. I don't think he'll be in League One next year, personally. And Marquis, you know, he, he's a very, very good talent as well. So they've got a good sort of team built. I think Grant McCann, you know, for me, surprisingly, he's done really, really well. But obviously, seeing them firsthand, I can see why they're there. Peterborough's form is, is so is so poor to win two games since the end of January. You know, when you get a new manager in, I think it just shows that perhaps they might should have kept Steve Evans in charge. He wasn't doing too bad a job. It's just because the winds were drying up. It's now, instead of draws, it's now defeats. But any time in the season, the run they've had, they wouldn't be nowhere near the playoffs. It just goes to show that um, it, how sort of... I wouldn't say... I, I'm, I, I can't really find the right word, but... I guess sort of how I want to say I, I think pause the right word. It's a bit um, competitive. Yeah, competitive it is. I think the other three teams. I think Burton are they've only just sort of crept into it. Coventry is of 2019. They've had some good results. You know, they got a point at Barnsley at the weekend. Peterborough they won away at. Um, I think they're too far away. I think it, I think it's Doncaster's to lose really, and I I cannot really see them losing it to be honest. Coming back to Burton quickly, um, I spoke to Nigel Clough the other week after um the Accrington game when I was in the press box, and he seems pretty convinced that if they would have started the season better, they could be in I the agree. top six now, yeah, and I, and I yeah, completely yeah. agree with him. They they've yeah. got good players, they've got a good squad. They only got relegated from the championship in the last four minutes of last season, so it just shows yeah. that a lot of their players he managed to get performing to the level required to stay in the championship. You know, it was their away form that cost them, wasn't it? You know, they lost to Bradford when they were struggling. They've lost to Oxford. You know, in the early parts when and they Wickham were. Lost and they were struggling as well, so it's it's one of those, you know, that if they turn that around, their home form was always going to be good. You know, they they don't do many home games, do they? But it was always it, it was their away form. If they if they had picked up more points, I think they would be probably really involved with with you know Doncaster and Peterborough. I think they would be. Yeah, yeah I don't disagree with, with a lot of what you're saying. I think uh, I think Doncaster probably will finish sixth, and I think clubs like Burton, Fleetwood, Coventry, uh, potentially Blackpool, maybe ones to look out for next season. Um, I think Fleetwood um, actually getting a couple of quality additions. I think Joey Barton's doing a pretty good job there, so yeah. maybe one to look out for next season. Uh, but whilst we're on the um, conversation of Doncaster, a couple of their players got into the League One team of the season, which was announced uh, last week. I always think these things are released far too early, but there you go. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on, on that. Um, I'll, I'll read the team out, um, and you can jump in with any sort of names that you think should have definitely been in there or names that you can't believe are in there. Um the goalkeeper is Adam Davis of Barnsley. The uh, right backs Jack Stacey of Luton. Uh, the centre backs are Ethan Pinnock of Barnsley and Matt Clark of Portsmouth. 
uh, left-backs James Justin of Luton, Alex Mowat uh, um, of Barnsley, Herbie Kane of Doncaster and Cameron McGinn of Barnsley are uh, completely in the field. And the forward line is Aidan McGeady of Sunderland, uh, John Marquis of Doncaster and James Collins of Luton. Um, Brum, I know you were talking about this on Twitter in the week and maybe had a couple of uh, differences that you thought um, from, from this team. Um, are there any sort of real surprise exclusions from that team? Uh, I am... Um... Honestly, absolutely staggered that Matty Pearson's not made in team of the season. I, I really, I think he's the best centre half in the league, and I think he is the reason why him and the the partnership that Pearson and Bradley have formed at Luton. I think that is, whilst they do score three, that's the main reason why they're on the position they're in. Because they, everyone knows Luton scores goals. So they they batter teams at home. They grind out results away. They're such a great team going forward. And it was their defence that did cost them last season towards um, dropping out of the first place in League Two. And then when Nathan Jones was still managing the summer, he went out and thought, well, we're going to have to tighten up if we're going to compete in this league. And he signed two of the... Um, Sonny Bradley was one of the best centre-halves in the league last year for Plymouth. Yeah. And then Matty Pearson, who probably didn't play as much as Barnsley as he would have liked. He was um, utilised as full-backs. And, but he saw in him a proper no-nonsense, typical English centre-half. And he's been, I think he's been, I think he's unlucky, to be honest, not to be in the top three players of the season, like, um, nominated for the top three. He's won Luton points with um, attacking um, set pieces, scoring goals. He's I, I've, the, the games I've watched him this season, he's um, he's been, honestly, he's fantastic. He absolutely bullied our attackers, uh, um, both in the FA Cup game and um, in the game I went to in February against Luton. He's just on his proper, proper centre-half, and I can't believe... He's not in it. But then again, Clark and Pinnock, they're the two other... Quite, it's, it's hard to tell to get one of those to miss yeah. out. Was they, I think they are, again, the second and third best. Uh, it's going to be two of those three, but I think the best one of those three is, has missed out, and I can't believe he's missed out. I think he's an absolutely excellent Matty Pearson. There's a lot of Luton players, a lot of Barnsley players, which I suppose is, is obvious, really, that the current top two, the best teams are going to have the best players. But yeah. I think maybe... I mean, Matt, I'm, I'm keen to get your sort of thoughts yeah. on this. You know, I saw a few players suggesting players like Tom Eads and, you know, some players who've perhaps been doing well amongst struggling teams is perhaps more impressive than players doing well in, you know, good performing teams. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there are any players in the bottom half of the table, players like Eads, that maybe could have got in there? I can understand the case for Tom Hughes, but usually with these things, the top scorer in the division does get there, and obviously Collins is now the top scorer, I believe. So you can't really argue past that. If... If I was going to be really critical, I'd say John McLaughlin over Davis. I think yeah, he's been more of an integral figure for Sunderland. I think he's saved them games and he's, you know, got them points over the season and won them points. So I think that over Davis itself. Um, I don't really have any real sort of queries. Maybe if you're looking on things, I think I just saw a statistic where Madison for Peterborough's got the most assists. Usually that does get you in there. Perhaps. He could have mm. gotten there over one of the Barnsley midfielders, maybe Mauer or McGeehan, one of the two. But apart from that, I kind of agree with Broom. Pearson's unlucky to miss out. Um, but you look at the other two centre-backs, I think Matt Clark's arguably been one of the best of it, uh, players in the division for a long, long time at centre-back. Pinnock's been good for Barnsley. So I don't really have any real queries. I'd just probably say McLaughlin uh, over Davis and probably Madison in for either one of the two Barnsley players, if, if, if we're really sort of looking um, in-depth at it. Personally, uh, uh, Brum, I saw on your sort of alternative uh, League One team this season, the merits um, you put in yours. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, why do you think he should be in there? He's um, 
well, from what I've seen, when I look for through the League One results, I see it when I get to Plymouth. He just seems to score every week, especially quite recently. I think he's a very tidy little player. He's um, his goals that Graham Carey scored last year to get him in the team this season. He doesn't seem to score quite as many this year. And but they've just replaced him pretty much like for like with Ruben Lameras. He just seems to be scoring the goals that Carey would have been scoring from midfield. And I think I think he probably I mean the midfield in the team this season is actually quite poor. I mean I can see I think Herbie Kane probably deserves to be in there, but then Murat and McGinn I'm I'm not I'm not convinced on. I've got to say I'm I'd probably I'd have definitely like I said the Lemiris in there. And then I saw a Luton fan I follow on Twitter. He said um the Shinny's been their best player this season. And if he's Luton's best player, running away the league title, why, how can he not get in well, the team this season? I'm, it must I'd, be stat story. I would say never Luton player. I mean Elliot Lee. He's had a very good season he, for Luton He started well. the season off really well, but he sort of he dried, he, he got injured and goals sort of dried up a bit. I don't even think he's a guaranteed starter now. Uh, could, could you argue, though, and say maybe there's a player in the bottom half of the table who stood out? I mean, you, you know, these the, these things we talked about, Eves there, OK, he's unlucky to miss out, but there's, you know, in my, in my mind, there isn't, OK, there isn't one that comes to my mind that stood out in the bottom half of the table, but there's got to be one, if you really looked at it, looked at the squads and went, oh, he deserves to be in there ahead of someone like McGee and Mauer. Well, we touched that's, on That's them. what I'm trying to say, you know. It's, it's one of those, that's what I personally think. It shouldn't just yeah. be for the top four or five clubs. It should be that there is a case outside of it. Well, you could say McGee's down as one of the forwards. You could potentially put him in the midfield three and then throw Tommy's in there, maybe yeah. Freddie Dadapo from Plymouth. He's had quite a good season. I'm not yeah, sure on the stats, but he, again, he's another one who seems to score quite a lot. So it, it's just, I think it's so weird how they did. I, I would never have put Cameron McGee in my team I this season. Like, I, can't, I was absolutely staggered when I saw him. I was, I was just thinking, I mean, I know it's voted for by managers, but is he really the, the no. top three? I, I think it's always league? easy when, when, when you're sort of looking at, at it and think, right, who should put midfield? Oh, let's just chuck in one of the, one of the top two teams. Like, let's just yeah, chuck one of the yeah. midfielders I think it's just easy to do that rather than really think about it, okay, who is, you know, who is these, you know, let's look at the stats, let's look at the, uh, their form, you know, whatever. Um, I think it's just easy to chuck one in there. I think McGee maybe is, you know, ahead of, you know, players, you know, you mentioned the areas and, and some of the players in the bottom half of, um, of the league this season, you know, I think it's easy to put them in there. I mean, I mean, what about Johnson Clark Harris now? I mean, he's been quite, you know, I know he's only been there half a season, I'm not sure you can really chuck him in there but if he'd been there for the whole season surely he'd been with the show absolutely well yeah. I mean you know I mean there's talk about him now he's been linked with Harlem Redding but you know that's that's a different story but yeah exactly I think that, it, that, <laughs> that, it makes a case for that doesn't it you know the fact he's come in he scored nine and nine um, one thing I did actually see was a Luton fan put oh he scored one goal against the leaders now he's been linked with a champ club which I thought was quite disrespectful I mean you know it's like one of those like well we scored eight other goals so you know he's got yeah. nine and nine so it's a bit you know, it's a bit disrespectful, but yeah, you know, it's one of the, if he was there for the full season, he would have got more goals definitely, and he would have to have been considered. There's, there's no doubt about it. I think you're quite right on that one. Joe, can I ask you something quickly? Um, yes, you can. There's the manager of the season, Daniel Stendhal for Barnsley, and I was thinking, well, I'm not entirely convinced he deserves it. I mean, I, if if Harford would have had the whole season, you'd, you'd have it to give been, it to him. It would him. have been Jones. And I think he, even, Jones even still, I mean, Harford, but the way he picked up Luton, the biggest week of their um, recent history and just Im- even he improved them even further. I mean, who would you give manager of the season? I'm assuming it's not Carl Robinson, but who would you? <laughs> give, who, who, would, who, who would you have given it to, Joe? Uh, I was. I think with Stendhal, I mean, they didn't lose too many players from their championship season. I'm not. I'm not going to try and discredit his achievement. He's done very, very well uh, to pick a team up that's gone down. But I think they had a 
again, a top two squad. I think you look at some of the teams. I think, actually, Lee Bowyer. I mean, Lee Bowyer has had an unbelievably tough job this season. Yeah. Uh, not a big budget considering Charlton are a very big club. Mm. I mean, I'll chuck his name in there. Why, why not? I mean, they've been steady all season. Um, they've never really challenged top two, but they've been in the playoffs all season. Um, We've talked about them a lot, but I'd say Grant McCann. You know, he took over Doncaster when they were pretty mediocre in League One. Everyone thought, oh, he's not going to do the decent job. He got sacked by Peterborough when, you know, they they, they underachieved. But he's come in and he's completely changed the way they play. You know, under Ferguson, you're very much a, okay, you want to try and play football, but it's not as much as easy on the eye or more attractive. But Doncaster certainly try and do that. And that's why I think he should have been contender but you know I'm not going to take away the achievements of what like you said Joe what Stendhal's done but I do just think sometimes you think oh it's because they're high up in the table we'll just give it to him but if Nathan Jones had stayed at Luton he would have been the manager of the season there's no doubt about it what about Jacket or Ross are they not in the, the question do you not mm, think yeah, Ross, is, Ross is an interesting one isn't it because I actually saw a, a Sunderland fan today I don't think this is a popular fan opinion but I just thought I'd mention it that said well if we don't get promoted then Ross should be sacked and I'm not sure I totally agree with that because they were in just absolute turmoil. They've done well to turn them around. But, I mean, again, with a couple of Sunderland, you would expect them to be where they are. Yeah. Like, you know, the achievement isn't too... It's not a fantastic achievement to see Sunderland a fourth in the league. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to discredit Ross's achievements. Uh, Kenny Jackett, I think maybe people say Kenny Jackett for granted a little bit. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he yeah. is somebody just... You just expect him to win results. So, oh, well, Kenny Jackett's doing well. You know, that's, that's not too surprising. Yeah. So... Yeah, maybe it's harsh not to include him in the conversation. I mean, I was, well, talk- um, I was, I was talking about Jackie last week, saying you know he's won two promotions in the last like ten plus years. So he, if anybody, he knows the division more yeah. than anyone else in that top six. But, but maybe that's maybe that's his downfall as well. People just expect Portsmouth to be up there because Kenny yeah. Jackett. So. No, I, I, th- I think you're right on that one, Joe. I've got to agree on you with that Back one. on the topic of... I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure how difficult the job was when he took over, but Sunderland in League One, they're the biggest club in the league by an absolute mile. They've got the parachute payments, a huge budget. and But then again, you, you factor in that, you think, oh, it must be a doddle, but they, they've been losing. They've got, he's had to pretty much turn the whole club around from losing almost yeah. every week for two years and then think, well, we've got to flip that. OK, it's at a lower level, but... To be winning most weeks to be able to get promoted. I'm still not entirely sure myself how hard that was for him to do. But what mm. what do you boys think? Do you think that he was whoever was in charge of Sunderland that had been up there, or do you think he actually had done well to be able to completely turn their form around I'll from let, the last I'll, couple I'll of let seasons? You go first on that one, Joe. Well, I, I, he has done well. You know, so there's no doubt he's done well. But again, they've, they've chucked a lot of money in the situation. You know, four million on Will Gray is going to be talked about. But even in the summer, you know, they bought Luke O'Neill obviously from Wickham for very decent money. They or Baldwin from Peterborough, you know, they did invest quite a heavy sum. Maybe people thought it would be a bit more, but Sunderland coming to town, but I think, it, you know, they did spend big. Um, so I I don't think it was a, a, a massively tough job. And, and let's be honest, a lot of Sunderland fans thought they'd come in and steamroll the league and just walk the league. As, you know, I remember when Portsmouth fans went to League Two and they thought they'd do. Yeah. You know, so it, it's 
the expectation for Sunderland was, I think, and most people at the start of the season, when they went, right, predict who's going to finish first and second, I think you'd probably have said Sunderland first, Barnsley second, and Sunderland currently a fourth. So, what does that say? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what you think, Matt, but... I think it's a bit, for me, it's a bit mixed. I mean, I've got to give Ross a lot of credit, you know. It's only his, what, second full season as a manager? And he's at a massive club like Sunderland. Mm. Fair play to him, he's, you know, turned it on its head. And for a young manager to have all that pressure, all that weight on his shoulders, to do the job he's done, I think he's done a tremendous job. So I'll applaud him for that. But, you know, it's like what you said, Jack. You'd expect Sunderland to be there. I mean, I did expect them to be there. I didn't expect them to be... If I'm being truthfully honest, I did not expect them to be running away with the league. I thought that they would probably find it a bit tougher. Mm. Maybe that was down to the manager. But, you know, I'm more favouring that he has done a good job. But I think it's like what you said. I think that they maybe slightly took the league for granted, given that they're a big team. And they're a big, you know, there's that old saying, they're big fish in a small pond. And I think they might have just took that a little bit for granted. Yeah, so just uh, before we move on, um, just one more goalkeeper suggestion. What about Macalambe, bro? (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they've had about six goalkeepers. Oh, I just, just as I was thinking, <laughs> thankfully, I just looked at the, how long we've been calling for. I'm thinking, oh, if we haven't spoke about Wickham for a while, and then you just throw that in there. And just roll my we eyes. Have just to, have we have stuff. to have a joke about Wickham. Every yeah, week. we've, we've had about six. Go- <laughs> about, we've had so many goalkeepers this season. But then we had one last week when I said he was Wickham's rival. So mm. that's we, we have just, one every week. They just bully Wickham on this podcast. <laughs> what we the sim- the violin, Joe, the violin's coming out, mate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but moving on, just for, um, to wrap up the podcast this week, we're going to some quick fire predictions on four of the best looking fixtures uh, from this weekend in League One. Uh, they all concern the playoff race, as we discussed earlier. Uh, the first one is Bradford, obviously uh, fresh from giving a new contract to uh, to Gary Bowyer uh, against uh, Doncaster, who, of course, we spoke about um, uh, are charging towards uh, the playoffs and are in the top six at the moment. Uh, Matt, how do you think this one's going to go, mate? I mean, obviously, Bradford have lost their last four. Uh, I think uh, to Blackpool, obviously, Oxford, Charlton, and uh, I can't remember the other game they lost. But, you know, Doncaster coming into town, the way they can play, they can, you know, hurt any team in that bottom four. I just can't I can't see it beyond Doncaster. I think there's a lot of this sort of disgruntled and uh, sort of real sort of, you know, unhappy Bradford fans at home. You know, you see a lot of empty seats at the moment at Valley Parade, so... I can't see past Doncaster. I'm going to say a, a, a three-one uh, away win for Doncaster because Bradford's defence is very, very leaky. You know, okay, Bo is very much a defensive-minded coach, but it does it does worry the way Doncaster playing seven goals in their last two. I just can't see anything beyond the Doncaster win. To be fair. What about you, bro? I'm I'm surprisingly I might have this as a draw, you know, because I think Doncaster, as I alluded to earlier. I, I do think they're quite inconsistent and they play their best football when a team comes out and tries to play with their own attacking game like Bristol Rovers did midweek. They they went for an attacking team, came out and then Doncaster just ripped them to shreds. And I don't think Bowie's going to do that. I think Bowie's going to sit back and make them hard to break down. And I think that they might struggle to break down. I'm going to go for one all. I think, I mean, both teams probably will score, but I'm just not sure Doncaster, despite um, having the better players, the better attackers, I'm just not sure they'll be able to break Bradford down. But, as Matt said, they do concede a lot of goals, so I might come to look a bit silly, but I've got a one or draw for that. Mm, I'm going to go with Isles, I think. I think uh, Doncaster are too strong. I think they're, 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 they've got an eye on the playoffs now. They've got to get results, and they've just um, sort of steamrolled two, two teams who are uh, sort of in the relegation mix in, in Bristol Rovers and Warsaw in the last two games. They've got their act together, so I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with a 3-1 Doncaster win. Um, this is quite an interesting fixture. Uh, Burton-Barnsley. Um, 
as you mentioned, Burton's still not quite out of the playoff picture. Um, it's going to take a long, they're a long shot um, to get in there now. Uh, Barnsley, um, their promotion bid was, you know, took a bit of a took a bit of a hit last week um, with a draw against Coventry, which I predicted. I've got to say, just putting it out there. Um, uh, Broom, how do you think this one's going to go between Burton and Barnsley? Uh... I think it's two of the better attacking teams in the league. They both play good football, both teams. But I think Barnsley, they, as you alluded, they, they do need the points more to really get in the top two, and I think they will win. I'm hoping to be at this game, actually, in the press box. I'm, I should be all right to get in there. So it'd be, I think it will be a good game. I think both teams play good stuff, but I'm going to go for 3-1 to Barnsley. What about you, Matt? I mean, look at it, you know, the last two games, Barnes, I mean, Walsall, they were very, very lucky to get three points. Coventry, you could argue and say they were lucky to get a point. So perhaps luck luck is on their side at the moment. I think Burton, as Broom rightly pointed out, very, 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 very right and said that they're, they're a good attack-minded team, especially at home. Um, but the way, as we know, if Barnsley can play and actually turn up, they can hurt any team and they can, like, rip, rip a team to shreds. So I don't think it'll be an easy game, but... I'm going to go and say Barnsley just to nick it and go with a 2-1 win. Mm, and last, I mean, Barnsley's last two games, you know, in the Warsaw game, they won, but they didn't perform too well. They drew against Coventry. You know, this is the sign of maybe them falling off a little bit, potentially. I'm, I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw, I think, on this one. High-scoring game. Brum seems to think they're, these are two goal-scoring teams, so I'm going to go for 2-2, although <laughs> probably 0-0 now. Um, uh, the, next, the next game is, uh, is Peterborough uh, against Gillingham. Peterborough, I mean, they're difficult to predict. Um, as are Gillingham, to be fair. They've pulled off a couple of um, sort of good results recently, I suppose. Um, Broome, how do you see this one going between Peterborough and, uh, and Gillingham? If I, I mean, I'm keeping this game wet and my accumulator. I really I, I think it's quite a tough one to call. I think Gillingham, you probably say, in better form than Peterborough at the minute, but that's not everything. I'm going to have this down as a draw, just because I, I honestly can't call it. I'm just going to say 1-1. Peterborough have always got goals in them with Madison. Because he, he can um he, he's his set pieces, his um long range shooting, he can always hurt a team. And then Gillingham have got goals in with Eves played that as we said before, they played to Eve's strengths from set pieces, he's always possessed a goal threat, so I've long to have it down as a one all, but it wouldn't surprise me if either team won it, I think it's a tough one to cool. Matt, you sit on the fence like Brum? I'm not actually. I'm going to go with a Gillingham win. Peterborough at home against these sort of struggling teams. I mean, Gillingham are probably a little bit clearer than than a lot of other teams sort of in and around the the bottom relegation embers. But you know, they've lost to some really strange teams at home. They lost to Shrewsbury a couple of weeks ago. Uh, They've lost to Bradford away from home. They've only got a point against uh, Rovers as well, which we should have won the game. And as I was saying, their form's been really, really poor since they sacked Steve Evans. And you know, Gillingham are a team who, who go away, and to be fair, they play exactly like they do at home. They go and attack, they want to go and get it from the first minute, and uh, even if you're a, a top-of-the-table team or you're a bottom-table of the team, you're always going to be wary of a player like Tom Eaves. There's no doubt about it, and I think Gillingham could strike gold here. They're going to probably have to ride their <laughs> luck a little bit, but I do think that they'll they'll go and nick it. So I'm going to go like Bert, Bert, uh, Burton Barnes and say 2-1 to, uh, to Gillingham. Uh... What's so funny, bro? I mean, it's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get the mighty Peterborough. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to actually go different to both of you. I'm going to say a Peterborough win. But every time I put it to win, they lose. So, I mean, take that all you will. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Peterborough win. Um, the final uh, game we're going to predict before we wrap up this week is Fleetwood against Southend. Obviously, this is going to be um, Southend's first game. Uh, under the management of Kevin Bond, um, Brum, do you think he's going to get off to a winning start? Um, no, I think, <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Fleet Fleetwood are going quite um tardily about their business at the minute. Is that a word tardily? Well it is now. Um about their business at the minute. They're they they're being consistent with their results. They are they are in the playoff picture. It's unlikely they'll get in there, but they, they it's possible they could. Um Barnes, um is as you said earlier, is doing a good job there. And South End I think are very much a sinking ship and I'm not sure that the new manager will get the first win. So I'm gonna say two or three nil to Fleetwood. If you push me I'd probably say three nil Fleetwood. What do you reckon, Matt? I think with South End it's gonna be interesting because obviously Bonds come in. I don't think they're going to want to get a positive result. You know, get off to a decent start. Obviously, a win would would do the world of good. But I'm not sure at the moment if they would. I think they would. You, if I was, you know, if you were in Southend's position, especially Kevin Bond, you would look at getting a positive result. But it's all well and good. I think they'll be they'll look to go away from home, play like your typical away team, be tough, be very solid and very very hard to break down. But I just think Fleetwood have a tendency at the moment just to get past teams when. They're not playing well and they can break a team down. So I'm going to go with a Fleetwood win, but a narrow 1-0 win. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you, actually. A 1-0 uh, Fleetwood, Fleetwood win. I don't know what we've been going on for, but we've covered a lot today. Um, and that does uh, wrap up today's podcast. Uh, my thanks, of course, to, uh, to Alex Brum. Um, cheers, Brum. Um, not a problem, mate. Thank you for putting me through <laughs> the miseries of Saturday all over again. <laughs> and uh, thanks, of course, uh, as well to Matt. Uh, no worries, Joe. And uh, thanks to you um, for listening, of course. And uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at L1Lowdown and give your thoughts on today's podcast. Um, do you think Wickham are going to stay up? Do you think Oxford is safe now? Who do you think they're against the top six? All things like that. And of course, uh, topics that we can discuss on uh, the future podcast. You've been listening to the League One Lowdown, and we'll see you again next week.